0: Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest is Marianne Sarches, breast health advocate and breast cancer survivor. As Marianne states, part of why I continue to do this, my anxiety, is I don't want others to suffer the way I did. You helped her not suffer. You did what you wanted. You were able to do something good here. Hi Marianne, it's good to see you. Hey Stavia, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So what would you like coaching on today?
1: I think a best topic for me would be wellness and um, dealing with post cancer anxiety.
0: Post cancer anxiety is what I'm hearing from you.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So, what would be a really great outcome for today?
1: (sighs) To give me some tools and focus to help deal with what I am still. Um, having within me from my breast cancer diagnosis, which is five and a half years ago, and that is the fear of recurrence and the constant anxiety of, is this coming back? Is that pain in my head related to my breast cancer? It's just a constant companion, no matter what I do, and I feel at this point it will always be there, but now I have to better manage that.
0: Okay, so you want to better manage this feeling of recurrence or this thought that the cancer might come back
1: mm, exactly
0: yeah so what was life like for you before cancer
1: oh it's pretty wonderful you know i'm a mom of two beautiful daughters i'm married to a wonderful husband and uh, you know just had a great life i I was a runner and i loved to exercise and that was my way to get myself outdoors and to take care of my um well-being emotionally and physically um and that also got me connected with a fabulous local community of of runners who were also moms because there's a great running mom group so it was you know pretty great
0: and what did cancer take away from you
1: took away that person, you know, who could go out the door in the morning and, you know, snap out five mile run and then go about her day and get the whole day done um, without missing a beat and not needing a nap and being able to, I was the person whose um, ability to organize and remember was the strongest strength I had and to now be the person who, I can't even run two miles without walking. I don't know who she is. I cannot remember things. I cannot get through the day without a nap. I, I still have moments where I get so tired and I say to my family, oh, I'm exhausted. And they tell me, they reflect back and they say, well, you always are tired. And so they've never had cancer, thank goodness. But what that tells me is I'm not expressing to them what is it like to have the cancer fatigue I'm not helping them understand correctly because cancer fatigue is not the same as regular fatigue. And it can hit you in a moment and you don't know when the floor is gonna drop out. Like when you have to sit down in a second or you're just gonna fall down. Five and a half years after my diagnosis, I still have those moments. So when, you know, that's not not who I was beforehand and it makes me sad You know, but it also makes me feel like, you know, okay, I have to find ways to now figure out how to move on with this new person, you know, and find new strengths in her that make brings me joy and brings me back to feeling good.
0: So, Marianne, where is this sadness that you speak of? In your body
1: where does it sit you mean yeah hmm. a lot of my emotions sit in my um, my core in my abdomen and I know I hold a lot of my tension in my hips I always have actually in my hips and in my neck so I'd, oh and my husband always says in my jaw. <laughs> He's given me jaw massages quite a bit, like he goes, loosen that up, loosen that up. Um, but absolutely in my hips, and that's one of the reasons, um, even before cancer, I would do a lot of Pilates and yoga to loosen that up, and I afterwards, I would feel a release. So that daily exercise, and I would cross train, the running, the Pilates, the yoga, um, was truly to help me with the emotional piece and to ground me and to release me and and that's all I needed and that, that helped me so much and and now it's not enough. I still do it as best I can and maybe it's not enough because I don't have the physical capacity anymore to do the level that I was doing and also maybe it's not enough because the emotional burden is quite heavy. So there could certainly be that combination.
0: Would you like to just do a little experiment with me? Oh. Sure. Okay, just so once you get comfortable in your seat, take a couple of breaths in and out. You can uh, soften your gaze or you can close your eyes if you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do a quick body scan. I just want you to breathe into the different body parts that I mentioned the top of the head, the forehead, the eyes, the ears, the nose cheek, mouth, the neck, shoulders, jaw, upper body, torso, the arms, the hands, the hips, the tummy, the lower body, the legs, feet, so I want you to take a couple breaths in and out. And you sort of feel into in the felt sense, the Marianne that's now versus the Marianne that was before. And this pervasive sadness. What's coming up, Marianne?
1: Well, as you point out different body parts, I definitely feel tension, especially here in my forehead. As soon as you pointed that out, I had to relax it intentionally, and it just keeps popping back up into a tightness here. And then when you point at my tummy, I can feel little bits of fire. Flaring.
0: Mm-hmm. So in your forehead, you feel tightness and then you, f- mm-hmm. you feel flaring. Mm-hmm. Can you okay. feel into them more and see if anything else comes up for you?
1: Well, I have to say to you that um, the past week, my husband and my youngest daughter, who I live with, um, have been away on vacation. And they are coming home today and I have missed them more than I ever imagined I could and these past few days have been especially difficult for me so this growing feeling in my tummy has been growing the past few days and I wonder if that is related to that like I'm more anxious without them and I know they are my pillars as to end with my older daughter as well but perhaps just seeing their faces and feeling their energy that they reflect into me and and feeling them, you know, we hug all the time, and and human touch is so enormous. And I'm such a hugger, you know. So not having that um, in my life for the past week, that probably is also part of what's happening to me right now.
0: When it comes to both your husband and, and your daughter who lives with you. What are you most grateful for them for?
1: They take me out of my head, you know, especially in moments where, you know, and I might be sitting on the couch and I often am on my phone, which they will point out to me. And um, what I'm doing on my phone is I am – my doing my breast cancer advocacy, and i I run a peer support group for breast cancer patients and survivors that I started, and so I spend a lot of time on that. And now I've done. I'm doing other things with breast cancer advocacy. Takes a lot of my time, um, but it takes me into the phone and into the digital world, and out of my life and out of their life. And so they come to me, and they they are the ones that will say that to me other people won't say it to me, right? But they know me, they love me, and they're like, come on, let's go out for a walk. Come on, let's go do something, right? Or, hey, let's make brownies. My daughter Anna will say that to me, right? So that brings me back into the moment. Or just like giving me, like slamming into my body with a huge hug, that that my daughter Anna will do. And I have to put the phone up, but I want to at that moment. Because who could turn away beautiful love like that? Right, and that breaks that like chain, you know, that you have with that phone, and you know, and you put that down, and you just engulfed in love, and that that that's just incredible. Like that's so medicinal, I would say.
0: That's so medicinal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your cancer advocacy work, what what are you grateful about that?
1: Well, what I fell into without knowing that this was, would be a thing for me is how much emotional healing I get back from my peer support group that I started. We started out with maybe 10 of my friends who I knew had breast cancer. And I literally started it because I needed to spend time with people in person. So this was before the pandemic. I needed to be able to get on Facebook and say, hey, who's having coffee with me? Because I wanted people who would understand without me having to say very much. Like today's a tough day, right? Or they would understand when I said I'm tired and they wouldn't say to me, well, you're always tired, right? And now we've got about a thousand people throughout New Jersey and Delaware and Eastern Pennsylvania. um, And we we are much more than let's go have coffee. Now during the pandemic, we don't do that, but we do virtual get togethers. We call them coffee chats. Um, And and what I find is uh, when I help someone like, a, I, I get so much emotional healing. And when they reflect back at me and they say to me, Marianne, I cannot thank you enough for getting a you know power lift recliner delivered to my house before my mastectomy, because a lot of us will recover in a chair like that from breast surgery for weeks on end. And she said, my family can't even believe that there's a group out there that would do that. And we can't thank you enough like that I just drink up that emotional energy that to me is also medicinal and that, that I feed on that. So, and and I tell them in the group, I post and I go, I get more out of this than you guys do. And I don't know that they truly believe me, but I do, you know, that, that what I bring to them and I knowing that I'm helping them helps to heal me.
0: When you drink in this medicinal, um, feeling, Where does it give you the most sustenance in your body?
1: Hmm. What a great question. I think it goes right to my torso. Maybe the heart area and the abdomen.
0: If it could speak to you, what would it say?
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You you know part part of what I continue to do this is because I my anxiety is I don't want others to suffer the way I did. And so it could say to me you helped her not suffer. You 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 did what you wanted. You know, you you were able to do something good here.
0: What have you found in, in this work that, you know, sort of staves away the, you know, the fear of you know, recurrence and the fears that you sometimes have about your cancer coming back?
1: So, what I think, because I've been thinking about this quite a bit, is it keeps me out of my head and it gives me purpose. And that purpose gives me that focus where I'm in the moment. So even though I just talked about how I'm on the phone, on my phone a lot and I'm in the digital world, I'm still, instead of thinking about that anxiety, I'm thinking about, oh, you know what? There is this great story with research that just came out from Aunt Minnie this morning about people should not delay their breast screenings because they have um, swollen lymph nodes from the COVID vaccine. So now I'm thinking about, oh, I'm going to flip that into a story and I'm going to get it out there for people who've never had breast cancer because they probably are not hearing this. This is brand new as of this morning. So those are the thoughts in my head. How do I write that story? How do I get that shared out there? And and those to me are very productive with purpose and with a message that will help others. And all of that to me um, because of what it would do is something that makes me feel good.
0: So Marianne, what if your cancer did come back? What would happen to you? Well,
1: of course I would be scared. I don't know that there's anyone who wouldn't be scared with a cancer diagnosis. But I would be in a different place than I was when I was scared the first time I got my diagnosis. This time, if it were to come back, I am a very informed breast cancer patient. And I think that is what I try to help the members of my group be, so that they can make the best decisions for them. So even if, They decide that they don't want the chemo being recommended. They are doing it in an informed way, and they know the consequences, and they know what they are choosing and not choosing. And now, because of my advocacy, I'm also very well connected with resources. I know how to find the best um, breast surgeons and radiologists and oncologists. And in fact, you know, I still have my team. You know, I I call them my dream team over at Penn Medicine. And I'm so happy that I was able to pull that together. So I have a great base to start from. I know quite a bit about breast cancer and the treatments that are out there, the research that is out there. So I'm not starting from ground zero, and that would make me feel good. And then I have my group for support. You know, a lot of what I tell people to post in my group is, let us know how you're feeling even just vent you know if you're having a rough day because of your radiation tell us that and we're going to give you so much love you know and, and people will do that or you're headed into your first chemo and you're scared give us a million posts in one day nobody cares that's what we're here for you know we're here to just lift you you know the emotional burden can be so heavy
0: and what would you say to cancer if it came back
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I don't have anything that nice to say. I would say, get out of my house. You know, I, t- I kicked you out once. I'm going to kick you out again. You don't belong here. I, I see cancer as an invader, and it d- it doesn't belong in my house. It doesn't belong in my life. It impacts all of us. When one person cancers, the entire family cancers. And I have never forgotten, you know, seeing my husband's face when he would come home from work and I'm resting on the couch after my mastectomy because that's pretty much all I could do. And the first thing he would do without taking his coat off is come check on me. And the look of worry and the look of tiredness on his face, I have never forgotten that. And then he would, you know, okay, she's okay, he would rush to the kitchen to make dinner because our youngest was nine years old at the time. So he would get dinner ready, he would get me what I was gonna eat, get Anna what she was gonna eat, still hasn't taken his coat off. And then he would finally sit down, take his coat off and eat his dinner. But he's exhausted, you know, and he's doing everything. And then after that, what I wanted was just for him to hold me. So he would do that on the couch until I was done. It would be it might be hours. But I just needed that human touch and comfort. And so that's what he would give me. And he would get no rest, like no time for himself. So I I don't want any of that to happen to my family again.
0: So, Marianne, so taking into account all that you've been through and the possibility that, you know, the recurrence is out there, how do you make peace with this?
1: It's very difficult. It's very difficult. So one of the things that helps me is I do everything I can to reduce my risk. Because there is no preventing breast cancer the first time, the second time. There's no such thing. But what you can do is reduce the risks that you have that are manageable. There are some risks you can't reduce. Like For instance, the biggest risk of breast cancer is aging oops can't do anything about that <laughs> but I can be careful with what I'm eating I can make sure that I don't have chronic inflammation which is connected to many cancers including breast cancer I can exercise regularly I'm also very careful about um, plastics and do you know about PFAS right and Making sure, for instance, that I'm never putting heated food or drink into plastic containers because they will leach out and I will be eating or drinking them and raising my risk of cancer. So every food container in my house is glass. That's one of the things I did right after I got home from my mastectomy, like in, an, in a panic. and in, in, I had an anxiety attack, but okay, I'm through that and now, you know. so. That gives me a sense of I'm doing what I can. It gives me a sense of empowerment. Let's do what I can to reduce my risks so that if it comes back, at least I can move forward and say, this is not on me. This is what was gonna happen. And I plus, I, I what do they, the clinicians say? I adhere to my treatments, so they tell me to take tamoxifen i took the tamoxifen now i have to take astrosol. i'm taking the astrosol. i need to get scanned every six months i do that i do what my oncologist says
0: so what do you do for your uh, mental and your emotional self mm.
1: well for instance this morning I was telling you about the article that I want to write. And I was thinking, oh, I should pick up my phone and get that done because I know I have this podcast with Savio and I want to get this article done. And a voice inside me, thank goodness, spoke up and said, yeah, uh. (laughs) you've got some anxiety, girlfriend. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm talking about that in my tummy. So instead, I put my workout clothes on and I out a Pilates video. And I chose Pilates because it's got a lot of good breathing in it. So it helped to relax me and it was a good one because also had a little bit of a up-tempo pace and it helped to get a little bit of sweat going. So I did some exercise. And then, because part of my anxiety is triggered by, um, is my house clean? (laughs) Am I walking into a clean room? Did a little bit of cleaning. That kind of sounds like a little freaky, but for me, I literally sometimes walk out of a room because it's too messy and i'm having an emotional and a physical reaction to it and i live with messy people just so you know (laughs) so so having them not here is a little helpful because when i clean a room it's staying that way but you know there's too much of a downside (laughs) i miss them terribly so um i did a little bit of cleaning that helped me i got ready for this Um, podcast and that helped me like what was I going to think about what was I going to say so all those things helped me and the article can wait
0: so Marianne thinking about and feeling into what we spoke about in the beginning about feeling better about these fears that come up for you when it comes to the recurrence what are some steps that you, you can take to kind of inch forward
1: I think I need to do more of what you guided me through, which is some mindful breathing and some body scans. I have done meditation before. In fact, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had set up meditation um, virtually for my group every Monday. And I participated and that was fabulous. I, I loved it. And then I also had set up virtual Reiki. And I participated, and that was amazing. And then as we, the world started opening up, we, we dropped that. And we don't do that anymore, but for me, personally, I need to get back into doing that because that's very calming to me. So I could go back and watch videos. YouTube is loaded with that, and I tell people that all the time, but what am I, the shoemaker, I guess, in this instance? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. What about um, support? You mentioned you have a family support, and you have the support of your community, your breast cancer community. Are there ways that they can help you along with this?
1: Yes, absolutely. I could post in the group and and say, you know, I, I need some TLC, you know, or, or can you guys recommend something? But I also think I need to create some space where I'm not cancering I'm, I'm not doing something that's related to breast cancer um and so I think I need to reach out more to my friends who have never had breast cancer and spend time with them and, and maybe never talk about breast cancer with them because they will ask me they know I'm an advocate and they will ask me what's going on with your group what, what you been up to and maybe I could just say yeah Let's not talk about that.
0: <laughs> if you was to sum up your life right now in three words, what would those three words be?
1: Hmm. Goodness, um I am not sure, Savio. that's a tough one. I'm such a yacker, three words. <laughs> you know I'm a yacker. <laughs> um, I would say fulfilling. But also burdensome, um, and I don't know if this makes sense. I'm I'm grateful. I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for what I do have.
0: What's the burdensome about?
1: I I think that um, it's a combination of that emotional piece. That I've come out of breast cancer with that that is can be somewhat toxic still but also on the flip side what I'm using to help heal myself which is my advocacy I um, can take on too much so I have to learn to balance and that's where I'm telling you my you know my family comes to me and you know (laughs) tries to pull me out of my phone so I I, I, it's that work-life balance that I haven't learned yet and i i can't turn someone away a lot of what i do for my group also is one-on-one peer mentoring and you know if someone's coming to me and they're upset i'm going to respond you know on christmas i've done it you know i i had two people come to me on on one christmas day i think that was two years ago um and, and i'm in a lot of national groups for breast cancer and also national groups um that are like community and mom groups, where I post a lot of things about breast health for my latest initiative. And I've had people reach out to me, for instance, a 21-year-old who was just diagnosed reached out to me privately and said, can you help me get therapy? I can't turn her away. I mean, she's 21, and if she's asking for therapy, then she's in need, you know? So of course I dropped what I was doing, and I found her, what she was asking for. But then, how do you figure out, you know, give them what they need, but give me what I need? Because I am only one person, I'm not a nonprofit. I don't have a staff. Oh my gosh, how I wish I had a staff, which I'm sure you can relate to. <laughs> but I'm not there, it's just me. So, I need to figure this out better.
0: So what does Marianne need?
1: Marianne needs, like I said, I need a staff. <laughs> I need someone to delegate um, things to, but I I need more, I guess, me time. And I I would love more um, non-cancer time, but knowing that things were still getting done because that's who I am. But can I throw some cancer advocacy stuff in the air and someone else is catching them while I go and have a, a great walk with some friends? that would be heaven.
0: And how would you create more me time?
1: Hmm. Well, I've not been successful at this, but I would love to grab some volunteers. I have not been able to do that, but if I could find some volunteers who could take on some things that I'm doing, um, so that would be able to create some space for me. And then I'd be able to do that. At, at this point, if I created more me time, that means I'm dropping stuff. That things will not get done, or it will take much longer to get it done. And, and I have to did, be okay with that. That that's yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and if it dropped, how would that how would that how would that land for you?
1: Um, I'm I'm learning to say it's just gonna have to be. It's just gonna have to take longer like i have what part of what i do for my um breast health initiative is i I write profiles on people who have been diagnosed with breast cancer on on different different ways so men and women if um, people who are young people who have um, very aggressive breast cancers so that people who have never had breast cancer can understand you know that the inflammatory breast cancer can show up as rippled skin it never shows up as a lump so this is what you need to look for for instance or if you're a man did you know you could get breast cancer because most men don't know that so uh, i'm losing track what was i talking about (laughs) this is part of my memory i don't have no memory
0: (laughs) no really i was just sort of asking about you know if if the me time was more pronounced in your life what would that mean
1: oh gotcha so I still have four profiles of people I haven't gotten to, and it's been more than a month. So, And usually what I like to do is get them done within a week. So they're giving me their information. We're going back and forth, and then they see it up and running. But that hasn't happened. Um, and part of it is because I see these breaking news stories, like I discussed this, um, earlier, um, and I will push aside a profile to get the the. News out there, but you know, I have to say to myself, it's just going to take longer. It, it has to take longer until I can find someone to help me do other things, so that um, all of this can come into balance. But right now, that's not where it is.
0: You know, Marianne we spoke earlier about, you know, some degree, you mentioned that there's purpose in in you know your struggle and what you went through. Just wondering if I, don't know, I just had the ability to somehow take away this idea or this thought or this presence of a recurrence for your cancer, would the word grateful still come up for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, before cancer, I was the person who was focused more on what would go wrong first. Then what uh-huh. would go right? And I would never, ever say right now that I am grateful for cancer. I am not that person. But I went into cancer with my fist held tight saying, I will find something good. I am not going to go through this without finding something good. And um, without knowing that this was actually a therapy, I made myself look for what was good in my day. And to be grateful for that. And then looking back, I did discover that there is a thing called gratitude therapy and that it's very emotionally healing. Um, But that's what got me through my early days. In the beginning, you know, after my mastectomy, you know, where I'm feeling terrible physically and I'm still emotionally very raw, you know, I literally had um, notes on my phone that I would write, okay, today I'm grateful for and I would write down, oh, Brittany messaged me and made me feel so good, or my daughter made me a pipe cleaner flower and brought it to me, you know, with so much love in her face, right? And then I would read over those things, as and that's why I wrote them down. I didn't just think about them, I wrote them down, and that helped to lift me up and take me out of dark moments. So. That was a very different approach, mindset-wise, than who I was before, but it's become a habit now for me, and it's changed how I view the world, right? So that, to me, I'm very grateful for, because now how I respond to the world is, to me, much healthier and better. And you know that you know how you view and how you respond to the world is how they respond back to you. So I think a lot of what is reflected back to me is because of that change.
0: Hmm. And so Marion, we had a long conversation today about all these feelings. What's your biggest takeaway from our conversation so far?
1: Hmm. My biggest takeaway is I really have to work on this balance in order for me to find what's best for me. I, I think I, t- I tell the people in my group, you know, are you on your to-do list? You know, <laughs> have you put yourself first? Are you a priority? But I think I need to take that advice. And I haven't done it. I have um, put my advocacy first and my group first. And um, I, I need to push myself up and add my own self-care, which I consider self-care medicinal. I really do. But I need to push that up
0: higher. And if you come across any obstacles, how do you keep yourself accountable to this? Ooh, you're good.
1: <laughs> Perhaps if I announce it in the group, Ah. that would be a good way to do that. So the, um, when I had just my group for my advocacy, that was quite a big um, time you know that took quite a bit of time and then i added to that this initiative to help people who have never had breast cancer learn about their breast health and why it's so important for them to be vigilant and the information that they needed um and so that's why here i am today with much more of my time being taken up with advocacy um than i was a year ago so and and i wouldn't change that well, I wouldn't change what I'm doing, but I think I need to change how much I give to each of those initiatives. So but you're 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 raising a good point. How am I accountable? I think perhaps announcing it, so in the cancer group that I run and announcing it to my family when they come home and maybe asking for their help that's probably the best bet because they're the ones on the front lines with me and they're the ones that you know are shafted when i'm the one like on my phone going oh yeah no it's saturday morning coffee (laughs) dish.
0: yeah absolutely well is this a good place for us to transition into the interview portion are you are you good yeah Okay, so tell my audience more about Marianne Sarsis and what you do and who you serve and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
1: Sure, so I'm a breast cancer survivor, as you've all probably gathered, and I started a peer support group for breast cancer patients and survivors. It's on Facebook. It's called In This Together, Philly Wilmington, and it's for anyone who's had a breast cancer diagnosis and who lives in New Jersey or Delaware or Eastern Pennsylvania And as long as there's no pandemic, we get together all over the place with different types of things like um, we've done... um, makeup classes at sephora we do tons of eating together art therapy yoga meditation and we even did um, bumper cars on ice that was fun as all get out and and the purpose is to give each other support in person and now you know online and i also um have expanded that and i do research on well what resources are out there that can help people because i didn't know when i was diagnosed one of My background is public relations, and what I was always good at was digging up resources and being very resourceful. So I have just pushed that into my cancer advocacy, and I created resource lists like financial grants, where can you go for financial help? Um, Where can you go for getting help to travel at low or free cost to um, out of state? Um, treatment and and lodging and meals delivered. All those resource lists are in the group and people can ask me for help on connecting with any type of, you know, need and I will help them out, you know. So that's the purpose of the group right now. And then the other initiative that I've been talking about is for a Facebook page I launched called Breast Health 101 with Marianne. And I named it that intentionally because this is targeted for people who've never had breast cancer. And when I did a Google search for breast health, what came up is cancer centers and the American Cancer Society and nothing under breast health. And I don't want to scare people unnecessarily. There are definitely topics about breast health that are not breast cancer related, but Obviously, a lot of it is going to be related to breast cancer, but let's not put the word cancer right in front. And I want it to be a conversation with someone, a woman, me, who can give them information from my own personal experience as a survivor that I have learned that I don't see in the mainstream community. So one big one I can tell you is, do you know who is reading your breast imaging? and why it's so important. And I can tell you right now, nobody knows. And nobody knows Mm. to ask and that it's important. And it can change the outcome of what's happening with your annual mammogram report. It happened to me because I have dense breast tissue. Even with my lump that I found and the tech tagged it, I got a letter from my radiologist who said, hey, you're good, see you next year. And we, Mm. yes, and we went We agreed, my doctor and I agreed, let's just go and have some additional testing done because you have that lump. And thank goodness I did because the additional testing found my cancer. And what I did a little research, because that's me, and that first radiologist was a general radiologist. And that second radiologist was a breast imaging specialist. Wow. General radiologists are not trained for breast imaging. And what i've learned is breast imaging is very difficult to read and you top it off with dense breast tissue like mine and it can be impossible without the proper training so just because you get your annual mammogram if it's not being read by the properly trained person it can mean nothing so if i had listened to that letter my stage one diagnosis would not have been stage one I would have gone back in a year, and they would have found, who knows, stage two, stage three, maybe stage four, who knows? I don't want to think about that, because thank goodness, (laughs) right, I did the right thing. So those are the messages I'm pushing out with my Facebook page. You know, things that the mainstream need to know to best protect themselves, but they're not being told. So let's get them the right information so they can be informed, and they know what to do. So. That, that's the intention of that initiative, and I'm hoping that the more that I get those messages out there, the more that people will just come to me and ask, you know? Because again, the resources that I have for my breast cancer group, I will use them in a heartbeat for anyone. So all they have to do is, you know, private message me and ask, and I, I will connect them.
0: Yeah. Well, and I wanted to thank you. I, you know, you and I connected because you contributed to my first interview series uh, with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global, I Survived Cancer, and here is how I did it, uh, which is gonna be a book soon, which is exciting. Um, But what is the biggest myth you would like to dispel when it comes to cancer diagnosis, especially breast cancer diagnosis?
1: Well, I think we talked about it, and, and that is there is no such thing as preventing breast cancer. But that doesn't mean it's not important to reduce your risk. That is very important. So people have to understand that there is no magic cure, and if there, you will see lots of articles, you can Google it, and I've done it. And even some reputable, you know, places will say, you know, here's how to prevent, you know, breast cancer: the top ten tips. And I've taken links like that to my oncology team, and I said just to be sure I'm on the right track with this. Is is, is my right here in saying that this is wrong? <laughs> and they said, and they said, Marianne, you know, and I go, I know, but I gotta hear you say it. <laughs> I gotta hear you say it. And they said, there's no such thing. It's reduce your risk. And I I don't like the, the word prevention because it creates this false hope. Yes. Because what if a woman says, oh, well, I, I did everything you said to prevent and here I am, I still got it. I would be so furious. You know, if I was told this promise of preventing, did what they said and here I am with breast cancer because that promise is not true. You can reduce your risk. The other thing I want people to do is be vigilant because getting detected early is one of the best things you can do for yourself. It's gonna give you more treatment options that are less toxic which means that your body can handle them it'll be easier for you to go through treatment and the bottom line is it's going to give you the best possible outcome for your breast cancer and that's why getting into your annual mammogram routine early is the best thing you can do for yourself and to do your self exams there are a lot of guidelines out there that say now don't do it do it because research shows that nearly 40 percent of breast cancer diagnoses come out of a woman finding something not out of mammograms so it's on the woman and to get that early detection it's the patient that has to do it so do those self-breast exams know your normal and keep watchful and don't dismiss yourself because you're a man. Don't dismiss yourself because you're too young. You're not too young. And it's a genderless disease. So if you have breasts, which you do, you can get breast cancer.
0: Yeah. So, Marion, for listeners out there who maybe just found out that they got diagnosed or have a family member or a friend, what are three three things you can provide for them? to do
1: three things oh you're narrowing me down okay (laughs) so i want them to know that they're not alone that there is help out there it's such a scary time it's probably the scariest time is at diagnosis right but they are absolutely not alone one of the best organizations that can help guide them through where they are right now. It's called Sharsheret and I can spell that for you. It's S-H-A-R-S-H-E-R-E-T. It's a national nonprofit for breast and ovarian cancer and they are staffed by oncology social workers. So you can become one of their clients for free and they will talk with you and they will connect you with resources. Because they're national, it doesn't matter where you live. They can find your resources across the country. So they are fabulous. And I would start with them. There's another website that is filled with incredible information called breastcancer.org. And it has wonderful discussion boards that I fell into it when I got diagnosed. I happened to find it in the top of my Google search. And those discussion boards were a lifeline to me. But also the articles on there are fabulous. They're all evidence-based. It was um, founded by Dr. Marissa Weiss, who is not only a breast cancer radiologist, but also a survivor. Wow. And it's very well known around the world for being an incredible resource. So I think those two um organizations would help you get through the very beginning. And then you can always come to me and I will help connect you with what you need.
0: Wonderful. So where can my audience connect with you on the internet? How can they find you?
1: So you could go to my um, Facebook page, Breast Health 101 with Marianne, and you can send me a message through there um, and I will respond to you. Or you could even just message me on Facebook because uh, my face, my personal Facebook page is a lot of what I put up there is set to public. And you just click on my name and send me a message and I will respond to you. Just make sure you tell me what you're asking me for. A lot of times I get messages from from strangers and it says, hello. I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I understand that there's a lot going on, you know, so I have had strangers come to me and say, I saw your post in, you know, the Brumel, Pennsylvania community group and my wife was just diagnosed. Can you help us? And the answer is yes, of course.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Marianne. I really appreciate today's conversation. You were just fantastic. This is so great. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Savio. And I can't wait for that book to come out on Amazon.
0: Yes, I'm excited. Thank you again. Yep. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, Please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here is How I Did It, 35 Cancer Survivors Share Their Journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.